Welcome to the Carl Jackson Podcast Special Edition. Um, this podcast uh, is something that I've been wanting to do for a while, but I didn't want to have the wrong guest on the show giving out false narratives on either side. And this person that I have is an attorney, but she's a wonderful person I've kept in contact with for the last probably a year or two um, by just social media, emails, things like that. Um, our country is in trouble. No matter what side you're on, our country is in trouble. So I wanted to do this kind of emergency podcast in a way because if we don't act now, if we don't make progress now, if we don't make a difference now, if we don't know the information and spread the information right now, by this time next year, you won't know this country. As a matter of fact, it may not even be called America anymore. Who knows? Uh, but I want to invite, I wanted to introduce my guest. Her name is Erica Wilt. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Nicole Wilt. Nicole, Nicole Wilt. Wilt. Oh, no, I keep that word on mm -hmm. the Zoom. Um, I got to get that deleted. But anyway, uh, Nicole Wilt <laughs> is an attorney, and she lives in an undisclosed location for now. But she's actually was based out of D.C. for many, 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 many years. So she knows exactly um what's going on and she's got a new um uh i guess organization if you want to say in a way that she's going to talk about now it's not an organization yet but it's, it's not an organization yet but uh she's going to kind of lay out what's going on first so would you welcome to the podcast miss nicole wilt hi nice to meet you thank you so much for having me on the show and I'm really, uh, I want to get out there and tell people what's going on in the legal community. Yes. Uh, our, uh, insofar as, I'm sorry, let's delete that. <laughs> I want to just tell people what's going on in the legal community to try to help save this country because our country is in big trouble. Uh, lawyers traditionally sit in our office and we wait for problems to come to us. We solve problems. Unfortunately, the system put in place has trained lawyers to uh, follow rules that are preset and we don't question the rules. So the system, the legal system was not prepared to deal with a problem of this magnitude. Uh, in the recent weeks, we've decided to come together as attorneys. Attorneys don't like cooperating. This is a, a new initiative for us. And we're trying to break up the country and sectors in the country. We're focusing right now mostly on the vaccine mandates because between now and January 20th, about 20 to 25% of the workforce is going to be out of work. Um, so we're trying to target the industries. I got into this cause because I represent a, um, a client from the Washington Nationals who's a baseball scout, a Christian, a devout Christian who um, got the letter one day that he had to either get vaccinated or fired. He filed out a proper religious exemption. My client, um, has never gotten a vaccine in his life. He's a lifetime Christian. Uh, they denied it. They denied every exemption, I believe, in the Washington Nationals. I got into this movement through uh, Charles LaMandry, Chuck LaMandry. He's an attorney in California, and he's mobilizing from the religious standpoint. Uh, through this, there's a lot of patriot attorneys out there that realize that the legal system isn't ready for this. Um, and I'm not talking about the courts, because a lot of the judges are asleep and clueless and paid off. We've been compromised greatly. I've, um, in the last few years, I've avoided many situations because I am a DC lawyer. I'm still practicing in DC. I removed my body 
from DC because I don't feel safe there anymore, but I still run a full firm in DC. Um, and we, we realized that just the traditional model isn't gonna work for this problem. So I would like to say we're a think tank of lawyers right now. There's 15 of us. We're trying to break up this issue to have maximum impact because we realize that one person coming to us at a time, it's a blessing to save one person's life, one person's job, make sure someone has food on the table. But we realize there's a few of us and many of them, their, their uh, initiative is very coordinated. They own the media. Um, and we are just a bunch of conservative lawyers who don't really have a place to speak. The courts, every time we go to court, the media spins the results of, of any hearing to make it look, no matter how small, like we lost, and we aren't able to explain to the public what's going on in a legal aspect. I'll give an example. A big case um, was... The judges are finding ways not to rule on these cases, so they're finding technicalities. There was a filing fee that was missed. This happens, I've been practicing law 15 years. I forget filing fees sometimes. The clerk calls and says, you know, hey, they didn't dismiss the case the day before a hearing because of lack of file. And then the, the press says, case against, you know, this agency dismissed. <laughs> And that's all we hear. So we're really trying to get our work out of here and we're, it's an uphill battle. I'll tell you that. And we're not ready. We're not, we weren't ready for this a few weeks ago. I think now that we're coordinating, we're getting ready. But I think it's really important. That the public knows that there are lawyers out there working on this and we're not looking at this from a traditional legal aspect because it's a constitutional crisis. This is not a series of cases we have no judiciary, we have no government right now, we're in crisis. And people need to step up and reorganize a republic and uh, get the government operating how, how it should have been operating the whole time. And the only way I see at this at this point is through the courts. So that's my initiative that, that we're working on right now. So let me ask you this, I think people need to know exactly what, it, what you mean when you say our constitution is in jeopardy, is in trouble. Please explain to me, you, you've been an attorney, uh, you know exactly how to put this in layman's terms. Talking, talking to the American jury right now that's watching this podcast, what does that mean exactly? Our, um, all of our written laws, our codified laws, including our constitution are made up of words. The left has gone on a systematic effort to redefine individual words. We weren't paying attention, I believe, enough uh, as members of my profession. And at this point, we have pieces of paper with words that once meant something, but now each individual word has been redefined and it doesn't have the same meaning. I always tell people my superhero cape is in words. I walk into court and tell the judge why this law applies to my client. For example, why my client has a religious belief and shouldn't get vaccinated. They change the word belief on us is one, is one example. Um, the standard for sincere religious belief in this country has always been, uh, you need to make a statement of sincere religious belief in order to uh, qualify for a Title VII exemption. Uh, special accommodation exemption. Um, they're changing that as we speak in the courts requiring further proof 
that you're a Christian or you're religious or you have a sincere religious belief. Um, and that's a small example, but it's huge. The CDC, uh, I believe four days ago, didn't tell anyone, I don't know if the media is covering this, changed the word, the meaning of the word vaccine. They changed the meaning of the actual word. Um, I have some information on that after the show, if you want me to send that to you, because it's a big discussion among attorneys, because it came to someone's attention. But once you change the meaning of words, we're powerless to fight this. So, so when you when you say that the 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 words they're changing the definition of words, how are they able to do that legally? Well, the legal system was set up um, with with really big holes in it. I understand uh, as lawyers, we're just taught to follow rules. Rules are just words, and a lot of litigation. And I think this is why people drive. Uh, lawyers drive people crazy so much. Litigation is really just the redefining of words. Um, if you really break down any legal case, like, okay, this person hit this person. Is it battery? Well, what is battery? Battery is, you know, and then you keep on going down smaller and smaller to did this person do this thing? And the, the strategy that the government or the media or whatever yeah. you want to call them, right. Them are doing yeah. are redefining individual words. Yes. And we, um, it, it's a very difficult for a lawyer when words are our art that I'll write something right now. Like I could have written something three days ago with the word vaccine in it. Now the sentence itself has a different meaning because they redefine the word vaccine. Um, what, is, so, what are they saying yeah, the word means right now? What are they saying the word means, vaccine? <laughs> do you want to me to pull this up? I actually have. Because this was a big deal the other day. Let me pull this up on my phone. It, it, there's subtle meanings, but nothing is subtle. I mean, it's a medical right. definition. Right. Um, and uh, the, the big debate right now, and I don't know how we're taking this, lawyers are considering refusing to, word, to use the word vaccine now. We actually had a meeting yesterday. We said, how are we all, 15 of us, agree to just never use the word again? Um, we've had other ideas of what to use, such as gene therapy, but then doctors stepped in and said, I don't know if it's gene therapy, we're like, it's more gene therapy than vaccine. Um, a lot of us are considering just using the word, like uh, the physical substance within the needle, because I refuse to let them tell me what's in that needle. Like they know, and I don't. I know there's a substance, I know they're putting in someone's body. I'm not going to use their word for that substance, because it's not a vaccination. It's not right. preventing people from getting sick or spreading sick. So why right. should I use their word? So there's a lot of debate among the legal community. Well, not debate. We're trying to decide on a word to use for vaccination because they keep on changing the meaning and I'm not going to let them, we're not going to let them do that, uh, determine our playing field. I'll get you the information. I don't want to look it up while we're on the phone, but they, they changed it. And to a layman, it might be like a, who cares? But to a lawyer, it changes it changes the scope of everything. Um, now I heard I heard that in Australia they're getting ready starting. I think in January it might be November. No, it's th November thirteenth that they're going to start charging families or individuals five thousand uh, uh, dollars. I guess toward anyone that's not vaccinated. Um, and I think it started November 13th, if I'm, if my memory serves me correctly. And if you guys are watching and want to recorrect me or correct that, please feel free to send me an email or, um, on social media, but, um, obviously taking cue from Australia that could easily happen here. Um, uh, what can we do as the public to prepare for what they are planning, which we know 
there's other things that they're planning. What can we do now to counteract that or at least um, stop it in its tracks? I'm going to start with the employment context. My background is in employment, and right now I'm dealing with Title VII cases, which are religious exemptions under the EEOC. I'm going to start with that. If you have a job and you're going to lose it or you think you're going to lose it, you need to document everything. I can't tell you how many clients come to me with, they blocked me out of my email. I never printed my email. I'm like, forward every email to your personal email. I, I On a daily basis, I have people say that to me. I'm in court and I'll document everything. There are some good templates out there. I can give you a bunch of templates for religious exemption. Um, you do have the right to exemptions from the vaccination. You have the right uh, given to you by the constitution, medical exemptions or religious exemptions. A religious exemption does not have to be an organized religion. It has to be a sincere religious belief. I'm gonna say that again, sincere religious belief. So as long as you can substantiate why you don't want something foreign inside your body or a body or a sovereign, it's a God, body given to you by God, whoever your God is, as long mm -hmm. as you can state that, um, you might, some, if you have a lawyer to help you state it, but it really is important. It's sincere. I have a reason God is higher than us and God does not want me to put this in my body, so I will not do it. It's very simple. I do right. recommend people not to mix the issues. Um, if you're about to be fired, we are recommending all of our clients not to start to rant about the cabal and the new world order. Let's focus on one thing. You're getting fired. You're not supposed to be fired. They can't force you to do this. No, just no. Um, a lot of the, the reasonable accommodation letters I've seen, four lines. I have a religious belief. It's sincere. This is against my religious belief. I have a right under Title VII not to get. Same with medical. And medical is a little different. So you should provide, you do have to provide some medical documentation. But I mean, I really am encouraging people to really look within because a religious belief doesn't have to be something that you had your whole life. I could decide right this minute to find God and that he doesn't want me to have a vaccination. So I, I would like people not to get stuck up on thinking, am I religious enough? That's the last trying to tell you that. Right. You are religious enough. If you believe in this, it's your belief. You have a right to believe. And I really want to, I, I come up people thinking, the last trying to tell me you're, you're, you're conning us into making us believe you're religious. I'm like, nobody's conning anybody that had the right to the relationship with God. Um, so that's my advice for employees. Document everything and do not quit no matter what. Make them make you quit. If they don't respond to you on a said day, email them. Print the email to document it. I have not heard a response from you. Do not leave until they either like escort you out or they give you a termination letter. And why is that for people that don't know? I know why, but why is that? Yeah, you're gonna. One day, I do believe that when this dust settles, we're trying to um, triage right now and fix a big problem right now. But it, later, we're going to be litigating this for the next five or ten or fifteen years. And I do hope that a lot of people who lose their jobs will recover. I think a lot of people once. They lost their job. That was their end goal to keep their job. And they kind of give up the fight. Don't give up the fight. The reason why is one day a lawyer like me is going to grab an exhibit sticker and stick it on there and make this right for you. Or, and I do believe this is going to happen, but we need to document now because it's going to help someone in the future. Um, because it's going to be he said, she said type of thing. And we need to get 
this documentation down. Um, the word is reasonable accommodations form. Reasonable accommodations, I'll give you a bunch of letters. Uh, either, some workplaces have a form. By law, you can just type it up on a piece of paper. It doesn't have to be a form, but a lot of workplaces have forms. But you know, something has to be in writing and keep it. And I really do prefer emails with ever. Here's my religious accommodation form. Sometimes they don't give you an opportunity to explain anything on the form. I have a sincere religious belief, or I have a medical condition, um, which which doesn't allow me to to get this vaccine. Um, on a global sense, this is more my personal opinion. I, I'm in the middle of Illinois, in the middle of the country for a reason. Prepare yourself. Have plenty of food. Mm. Um, at your house at all times. Everyone should have two to three months of food at their house at all times. Uh, get friends with your neighbors. Eat well. <laughs> Stay healthy, you know, and, and that's what I'm recommending people. And race, because this might not, we might not be able to fix it. It might be some bad time, uh, some bad months, and maybe a year ahead of us. Um, but if anybody infringes on your rights, you have the right to say no and say no. I, we had this big discussion about the lawyers the other day. Someone said, why is this illegal? And the attorney said, we know this is wrong. Why do we have to? Our society is in such bad shape that we have to identify something is wrong and then find the law to support that it's wrong. And that's really where we're at. That's how bad it is. But if you, you know, if in your heart, you know, if something's wrong and don't be scared, don't let anybody tell you that it's not wrong. And, you know, the legal community will support you in that, just be sincere and you know, assert your rights. You have the right to not get this vaccination. So for people who are watching who don't understand what a Title VII can do for them, or at least what it's set up for, give us kind of a general kindergarten version of okay. uh, example of what Title VII actually means for people that just really don't know. Yeah, the federal law, um, guarantees that we're not going to be discriminated against on many basis. Uh, some of the major basis are race, religion, sexual orientation, and in addition to disability. The reason why this is applicable right now uh, is because many people do not want to take this vaccination because they have religious objections to the vaccination, personal religious beliefs against this. The constitution guarantees us practice of our own religion. So the Civil Rights Act, Title VII, has laid out a process by which employees must abide by that they can't discriminate against people. This falls squarely into what they're doing right now by forcing vaccinations that are against sincere religious beliefs because uh, the pursuant to Title VII, the government has to accommodate all religious beliefs. Mm -hmm. um, that could mean, I won't take the vaccination, wear a mask, social distance, all those things. You know, but, uh, but this is a federal law. You're, and this is a longstanding federal law. This is, goes back to the civil rights era. There are certain, this country is supposed to protect from discrimination. Um, the reason why I kind of struggle through this conversation is because the black letter law, if I had the law in front of me and how it's being applied right now, is, is so disparate. 
So it's hard to talk about it because it's not right. being abided by, but you do have these freedoms. And that's why it's just, it's a tough conversation to have because I, I can tell my client, yes, you have the right not to do this. And like, they're making me do it anyway. And I'm like, yeah, you still have the right. <laughs> they're bridging your rights. Right. Um, so it, it, there, so Title VII is just protections against discrimination based on your class. Um, so let me ask you this. Um, what, what exactly are you doing to try to save the country, if you will, legally? Because um, you were telling me off record uh, that you have, uh, there's a few of you that are attorneys that are basically uh, coming together, but what exactly are you coming together to do? You mentioned a couple, a few companies and you mentioned that part of it. I don't know if you wanna reveal that yet. But it talk about exactly what the plan is and kind of the kindergarten version of that. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, lawyers traditionally sit in our office and we wait for problems to come to us and we solve problems is what we do. The problem is everything right now. It's too big to tackle using that method. Right. I think awake attorneys is very few awake attorneys in this country attorneys are part of the system we've already been indoctrinated to, to believe the system so it was very hard to find just a few attorneys that understand what's going on i people have said between the number of 200 and 300 attorneys who are willing to speak out against this there's very few of us that are willing to do this we've decided that there's a coordinated effort on behalf of the left in the media to to stack the events themselves in their favor. And all we're doing is responding. We've decided that we should get together and uh, take the reins of this litigation. The method we're, we have decided to use is we are identifying sectors of the economy that we want to hit that might impact, make a larger impact on the country. For example, Amtrak is a big employer. I believe their date is January 5th. Uh, I'm not sure, don't quote me on that. Uh, they have a date that they ha either have to get vaccinated or fired. There's a lot of Amtrak employers. On Sunday, I'm having a webinar for a free webinar for any Amtrak employer employee to give them information and try to develop a class. A class is a group of people who have something in common. In this case, it would be a group of people who work for Amtrak that were refusing the vaccination that got fired. Once we have a group of people, it's easier to A, we call it forum shop, find the best court that's going to be sympathetic to us that will vindicate what is written in the constitution, B, find a friendly judge and C, just mobilize and we can get more attention and more publicity, more if we do this in a coordinated effort. We've decided to split up the the country in different um, sectors, per se. I do know one attorney is very interested in going uh, uh, after the, the technology sector. Some attorneys want to go after the um, retail sectors. But we do realize that almost everyone in any company everywhere is about to get fired, and we know we need a coordinated effort to go after this so we can make a big, large-scale um, message. The other issue is there's really no implementation. This has never happened before. Lawyers follow rules. There's no rules for us. We, we are making the rules as we, well, the rules are being made. 
uh, as they go, they call, you know, the law is a living law. It's changing right now. It changes every second. So we're really trying to coordinate arguments because we're arguing against th these uh, vaccine mandates on several different grounds. I discussed religious exemption. There's an attorney taking, really wants to go after for a battery that she believes is a battery. If someone's injecting something under duress, you lose your job or put this in, that would constitute a battery under the law. And I agree with her. Um, there are several GINA statutes, G-I-N-A. Uh, uh, take that out. Can you delete that out? That's going to get way complicated. I'm trying to keep this to your level, Carl. Like, I mean, the you know, not a legal level. So I'll keep talking. Um, there's there's several statutes that we're going to try to tap into uh, to try novel approaches to go at this because we don't think the traditional approaches are going to work and the system isn't ready for us to, you know, battle this by traditional means. So with basically a think tank of lawyers that are trying to see how we can coordinate and end this mess, it's not in the courtroom, but in the country, the focus being on the country, not the courtroom, because uh, one client at a time, one uh, a plaintiff at a time isn't going to change the system. And we are a bunch of lawyers that know that what we're trying to do is to topple the system, which will make us irrelevant. We're, we're willing to go at this, even if it makes us irrelevant in the end. So um, how, how, how is this going to work, though? And this is just, I'm kind of pivot a little bit. How is this going to work if all the courts, I won't say all of the courts um, are crooked. I think there are some great courts, but it seems that there are some things going on yeah. on federal level of court that is already kind of set up for these type of cases to kind of fail. So how would you even approach <laughs> this? That's you why know I mean? pulling our efforts together has been really advantageous because lawyers really do work in little bubbles and our right. life might be totally different. I um, practice law in DC and I lived in Northern Virginia. Talk about like Southern Virginia, the state of Virginia and DC, a courtroom in those two jurisdictions, commutable right. in distance, but are different. One's a good old boy network, one's liberal DC. You know, and that, that's how it works throughout the country. So we're trying to we're trying to find good forums, good judges, uh, courts that are making good rules that might support us in the future. So we are really strategy oriented in this approach. We have attorneys that have been practicing law 15, 20 years that know what court will be receptive to what argument where. Of course, we have to find a company that corresponds with the area in which the court is in. In law, you can't just pick a state and go and sue there. It doesn't work like that. But you know the way uh, commerce, the commerce flows through almost every jurisdiction. So we're trying to hand select jurisdictions. We're trying to do as many strategic cases as we can because we know a lot of we're going to be batted down a lot. We understand that this is going to be us losing a lot. Um, and we're okay with that. We think that as long as we are strategic in our approach, a loss will be a gain in knowledge and we'll go to another forum and try it again. And that's the approach we've been taking. Okay, that didn't work, let's try again. Okay, that didn't work, let's try again. Let's change this one word, let's go to this one court. Let's try this company. Because every word matters and every single case is different. So we're just trying to be strategic in our approach to target the cases that are gonna make a national impact as opposed to an impact of three or four um, employees in that 
company. Right. So if, let's say there's a corporate company, basically that corporate company would make more sense to go after versus going after a case or taking on a case of an individual who got fired from Taco Bell. Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. I so, have my, my, the way I got into this was Washington Nationals. Great. It was a great defendant um, because everybody knows baseball. Everyone knows them. My client is a scout. Scouts are sympathetic. He, you know, so it's about picking the cases and picking the plaintiffs, you know, and some plaintiffs were, and it is painful because I sit there all day and people are calling my office looking for attorneys and I'm, we're trying to not help. I make every client individual know at this point that you're helping everyone and we're trying to set, find what's going to have the most impact. This is a, a huge strategy decision. I am one of the organizers of the attorney group, but I'm not the strategy person. There are people bigger than me. They're developing big strategies. I think probably people bigger than I know developing some global strategies, um, which is hopeful. I do think there's people from the past administration involved behind the scenes, helping us strategically pick this apart because traditional law isn't going to do anything. You're just going to hear about, oh, this person got back their job. No, this person was fired. Wait, this person had a gives birth and then has to do this again because they're denying religious um, medical exemptions until you give birth. And then you six weeks, then you <laughs> starts all over again because you have to <laughs> get vaccinated again. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough battle for us and I don't have the answers, but I do know a strategic approach is the answer. And the more we meet, we're meeting twice a week as lawyers to try to determine like what is the best strategic approach to go at this. To, to make a maximum effect and the maximum amount of people. So this is very kind of, different from the legal community too. Lawyers usually don't do this. You know, this is not right. a lawyer type of thing. So if there are attorneys that want to be involved in what you're doing and they are awakened, not woke, two different meanings. <laughs> They're awakened attorneys. How can they uh, be involved in what you're doing? Oh, please contact me right away. I'm going to tell attorneys what I have to offer if you contact me. I have a, um, we have a signal group of attorneys only, not, it's only attorneys, not even our staff is in there. That's high level legal converse, discussion. Um, intellectually, very interesting, some brilliant minds in there is 60 attorneys. Some aren't willing to put their name on the line, but they're the resources. They're letting us use them as resources. Then, then we have a smaller group. It's about 15 or 20 attorneys right now that are meeting weekly. We're trying to get funding. We might be able to help you with this. We, I know we're going to get funding. Funding's coming. We're trying to organize it. Any attorney willing to help uh, my attorney group, three people, we were in a Zoom meeting, two people were holding babies in their lap while we were doing this. These are mothers, mostly mothers fighting for our country. These are not high, you know, we're just, we're people who went through law school. A lot of us felt jaded because we got in the system and realized that it was really messed up and we were contributing to a great many ills in this country. I was about to quit being a lawyer. I was going to start writing because I realized how bad the system is. So we have a group of jade, uh, attorneys who aren't jaded, who just want to fight. Um, we could use any help we want. We have some young mothers. We have someone about to give birth in a, a few weeks. She's like, I'll write motions for you. You know, send, send someone else to court. I'm like, I'll go to court. So any attorney willing to help, I can't guarantee, you know, immediate compensation, but it's there. And we can use anybody who has a thinking mind. Because um, that's what it comes down to in the end. This is a lot of, we have to find novel approaches. The law isn't helping us. We're developing strategies. 
And um, it's really showing the brokenness of the system because it shouldn't be like this. We have, we're identifying what's wrong first and then finding laws, you know, to support why something's wrong. Because we've, um, as a society, as a legal community, have not been paying enough attention. I, I uh, believe, and now we're stuck in a bad situation. And I could use any attorney that wants to help us get a mess with this group of lawyers. And to be honest with you, it's been like a blessing for me because I've met like some people I'm going to talk to for the rest of their life. Um, you know, so please, you can hand out my email address. I don't know if you want to write it down now. It's Nicole Wilt at dclawyerfirm.com. N-I-C-O-L-E-W-I-L-T at D as in doctor, C as in cat, lawyer firm. Dot com. My um, website is www.dclawyer.com. www.dclawyer.com. Okay, we'll put that up on the screen. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I said that wrong. I'm sorry. dclawyerfirm.com. www.dclawyerfirm.com. Okay, and we'll. It's, I'm sure it's on the screen right now. So. Right. Yeah, it's on the signature block in my uh, email as well. Um, so yes, anybody who wants to give us any resources, we're a very cooperative team, and I, you know, love to have lawyers come and help us. Uh, we also have a morning a lawyer a prayer circle every morning at nine a.m. Any lawyer mm -hmm. in the country that wants to join us, we pray together at nine a.m. Uh, is open for a half hour. So if any lawyer just wants to join us just for that, we could use another lawyer, you know, and that's how we use our time at nine in the morning. That's great. One, one uh, final question. What can the public do as our democracy is being attacked? What can they do this very second to either um, uh, keep this from happening or at least delay it until you guys uh, work on our behalf on the forefront? As an individual, as a citizen, I believe this revolution is going to have to be very grassroots. We're doing what we can in the court. What you can do on a day-to-day -day basis is if you know something's wrong, don't do it. It is very fundamental. I just, I've walked through um, airports all the time. I'm the only person, I call it mask naked, but I'm always the only person showing my lips. And I'm like, well, I know more people don't believe in this. Why am I it? I haven't gotten arrested yet. Like I, I'm here, nobody arrests you. You can take off that mask. Nothing's gonna happen. Right. And I wish more people would realize that nothing's going to happen. You're protected. They're scaring you. More people that stand up, the easier this is going to be because lawyers can't save you. If everyone just takes off the mask and says no at the same time, we could end this. So I would really stress that you stay around other awake people and realize that what if you know it's right, it's right. Don't doubt right from wrong. Um, this pray to God, God will tell you what's right and do what God tells you. And the repercussions might not as be as scary as you think they'll be. Um, mm. Because I do believe that the media is telling us that we're in a lot more legal trouble for not abiding by these mandates than we actually are, and people are scared. So stick up for yourself. Just stick up for yourself. And please, like the thing that I can't stress enough is document everything that happens to you. Um, if, if you think something wrong is happening to you, if you think someone's infringing upon your rights in any way, shape, or form, or you feel coerced into doing something, get out a pen and paper for me and write it down and keep it in your bedside drawer because you'll never know when a lawyer will need that. 
and document everything, print out if your work, if you're having problems at work, please start printing things out and keeping them in a folder uh, because it might seem helpless now, but in the future you might, that might be invaluable documentation. You know, I wanna just say this too. I wanna to thank you on the behalf of the American people that don't know to thank you because if it wasn't for you and people like you, we would, uh, we would be in trouble. And I just think that if we have more people like yourself uh, who's out there on the forefront, which is why I put you on the podcast, which is why I'm gonna, we're gonna make sure the network plays this over and over throughout, the, ho throughout the holidays, because I think it's important that um, people understand that you are, um, you, you know, you're risking your, your, your life, your livelihood to do this. Like you're not, this is not a game to these people. These people are very uh, sadistic. They're very, um, I hate to say the word evil, but that's really what it comes down to. They're evil. And so to stand up to Goliath, if you will, to be the Moses uh, in the wilderness crying for your people, the American people, and not just the American people, really the world, uh, I have to say publicly thank you because it's not that many of you who are knowledgeable of what they're doing um, out there in the forefront. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty that would like to be in the forefront, but they're just afraid. They don't want to lose the big house. They don't want to lose the money. You know, they're they're just kind of go along, get along gang, as they, as as I like to um, say. But um, thank you because uh, we need more voices like you. And as your thing progress, as what you're doing progresses, please come back and talk to us about it because I think that um, it's important that we. Um, do this. I think it's important that we have this dialogue. I think we are on our own. It's almost like expecting the oppressor to save us. Um, the oppressor is never going to save you. Almost every lawyer I talk to, we all feel powerless in ourselves and people don't understand that we feel very um, isolated as well as lawyers because we don't usually talk to each other. Lawyers go into court, we're lone wolves. We really are as a profession. We are, I have an incentive for the, I, I make a lot of money and I, I can make a lot of money if I wanted to. I have an incentive for status quo. Right. You have, you know, so any lawyer, I'm probably destroying my own profession and what I'm doing, which is okay because this legal system needs to be toppled. It is not, it's not working. Right. It's not, it's very corrupt. It's not working. Um, but I think a lot of attorneys, the, it, you have to be very self self-interest comes first right now in society and it's not in very few lawyers self-interest to speak up and to fight against this because I do know that this I'm a, I'm a, a DC lawyer female lawyer um, in DC and in liberal jurisdictions like that female white female lawyers uh, are can't be conservative or we're right <laughs> I'm a demon I'm a demon <laughs> right. <laughs> Like I, you know, I'm called because I'm expected someone, DC lawyers, my age, my, my demographics are liberal. We're not, oh, there's absolutely. not many. Not you, you are the poster child of the Me Too movement. You're liberal. Like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't, you get, and a lot of attorneys I know are getting, like, I don't have any friends anymore. Right. But, you know, I may do friends, but we're expected to be liberal. We're supposed to, so we're considered, I'm considered the devil, really. Right. <laughs> 
you know, I know you get a lot of slack for uh, people accusing you of racism. I get it all. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Right. Like, this is, this is like nothing to do with anything. Right. I don't, let's move on from that. So I'm getting a lot of backlash and so are other attorneys getting it. I am very blessed that um, I am at an area of my career that I don't care anymore. Right. <laughs> I'm successful enough. I don't care. Right. I've decided to simplify my life and move to the country. I'm on a farm. I don't want money anymore. I'd rather go off grid, <laughs> right. you know, raise some. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really glad, glad that I have the experience and I don't have much to lose. So, I mean, anybody who steps up is, is, is a sign of courage to step up against this because we are we're demonized, <laughs> demonized. So um, before I let you go, uh, I, was, I meant to ask you about this earlier and I just totally slipped my mind because I was so engrossed in the conversation. Um, the Constitution um, was founded to protect the American people. Uh, it seems like Texas is doing a really amazing job. And I don't know about Florida. I'm hearing great things about Florida, but it seems like Texas is really, really um, going to, uh, they, they're kind of leading the way to a certain degree with, with protecting people's rights. What exactly do you think Texas should be doing for the people that are living in Texas? This is strictly for the state of Texas. What should they be doing to protect that and to make sure that continues? Because I'm sure... They are a target. I haven't thought about this yet. <laughs> I caught you off guard, huh? <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> I, I, I'm away from politics in general. That I'm very frustrated. I went to a very conservative law school. I went to Catholic University of America. So I have a classic um, legal education. A classic meaning like uh, probably 400 right. years ago. I have a classic... Um, but we're not taught like that. And I was taught about federalism. And this could be a whole right. podcast. The problem is when I was taught in law school and then I looked outside my law, I'm like, something's wrong because what right. we're being taught in the books, uh, it should be, we're federalism. State, every state should be able to do that. I'm very afraid because the federal government has too much power anyway. Go Texas. I'm so proud of you. Keep doing it. Be our renegade. My brother moved to South Carolina. I know a bunch of my lawyers in my group are Florida. Good job. I don't know how they can keep it up because the federal government scares me, terrifies me. And right. this is why the founding fathers wrote the, the Constitution. Right. That's they why they wrote it, right. From the federal government. Exactly. It was the federal government they were afraid of. So right. Texas is doing what they were supposed to do. This is how it was envisioned. The founding fathers envisioned in Texas at times of these because the founding fathers envisioned this happening. Right. Why do you think they set it up? Yeah, that's so why Texas they set it is up. It's a model right. of, hey, this is what should be done. I don't know how they maintained it so well. They've been a little separatist. Um, I, I don't know what to do when the federal government oversteps bounds. It's just... We're playing one, of right is, now. one of the things that's helping Texas, I will say, is that it's 96 or 95 percent private. So that means that the majority of the property that's there is owned by citizens of Texas or at least uh, corporate uh, companies that are incorporated in Texas. So I think that helps a whole lot. But my concern is, I mean, clearly, if they're changing the meaning of words and they're changing the meaning of whatever, that at some point could backfire, maybe. I don't know. I'm not well, an attorney. We're, still, we're stuck in this matrix, and they're making the rules. So right. nobody's, if they want to um, 
change anything can be changed i don't right. know how they can insulate themselves because unfortunately we have a federal government that's gone crazy in far power they, they got too much power before they started yielding it to do bad things this happens has happened over since the 1930s gradually and now we have a federal government that can just kind of uh, supplant their their ideas above the state rights so i texas needs to hold their ground they're great but i don't know how they're going to keep it up unless they insulate the federal government needs <laughs> restructuring. <laughs> I've been told not to use terms stronger than restructuring, but a, a big restructuring isn't needed. So <laughs> then let me ask you this. So here's here's a, here's a question. I, I got one more. I keep asking questions. Um, so what about the people who are going to email me? Because I get your emails, by the way, people. I just don't I just can't respond to everything. Our staff is very limited, so we can't, we can only do so much, but I know I can hear them now. Why didn't you ask her this question? So I'm going to ask. If the one, if the new world order is a real thing, and I'm not saying it is or it isn't, I'm just saying if it is a real thing, um, then is the constitution even going to be valid in another couple of years? I see my place right now in a restructuring effort. I think the best thing we can do is to restructure. I don't want to say start again. Right. Right. Um, but I think right. now is a good time to restructure the country. Right. Trying to start with the judiciary, but we need something new, like right. not as it is. I'm not going to say it's going to fall or it's going to crumble, but I do right. know that we have no future. We have no future unless it changes now because this actual system, I'm not talking about the rules, the system that allows rules like this to come into place because we're a rule oriented society. Law, the law is rules. Everything we do is rules, mandates are rules. There's a big uh, argument out there right now about what is a mandate like we never heard of mandates before right. so like, right. like that's right. where, where's this word coming from i've been doing this for 15 years mandate like right. there's real conversations with lawyers in rooms saying well is that a law is like <laughs> these are right. lawyers you know we don't even know but uh the the, the system whoever whatever i'm not gonna someone up there struck uh, had enough impact that has had the practical effect of a system that can be so easily manipulated with anybody with money or power that the system needs to be overthrown and a bunch of the rules need to be rolled back. We need to get back to the constitution. I, I think the constitution as a document is very valid. Word for word, I'm a big constitutionalist. It's been redefined, every word's been redefined. So it's not, it, it's a piece of paper right now. It's a dead document. Exactly. That's my point. Exactly. It's a dead document. So, but we can revive it. I mean, it's still on paper and we can give new definition to it, bring new life right. to it. And that's what I'm trying to do. Like, let's be practical. The founding fathers were good people. They wanted us to survive and be free and be happy and feed our children and raise families. This is very simple things, you know, just, you know, just be, be free. And the constitution as a piece of paper is a beautiful basis. They did a beautiful job in it, but then outside interests have manipulated the definition of words and the courts have, and it's not being followed even remotely as to how it was written. So it's just a document now. 
that's kind of being used as a tool to manipulate almost, um, which is right. concerning. But it's that not the Constitution isn't the problem. It's the system that's manipulated. Right. To the exactly. point where you can redefine anything at any time. I'll get you that information about the the change of the word vaccination, but that that for me was like a wake up call. Like they can, I can write a sentence right now and it can mean something else in a week from now, and that's really scary um, for the judiciary. Yeah, well, they're, what they're doing is they're changing the rules as they go, because if the people re react a certain way, then they just change the rules again to make it fit their narrative. But it's and not changing rules because that's obvious to the general public. The changing of rules is obvious. Right. And never, oh, but the changing of words isn't. And people, like, I don't think people understand how important one single word, you know, people well, have gone to death. I'll, I'll rephrase. They're, like, they're changing the words word. as they go. <laughs> Yeah, it's bigger the than definition that. Definition of, of more, the word, I think. Yeah, exactly. We're going deeper. They're getting deeper and deeper and deeper, and they're getting really fundamentally to changing reality. They're changing reality. They're changing and how things are, um, and affecting people's lives. Uh, so I don't know the big solution, but I do know that the legal community knows there's a big problem. Right. We need some kind of consorted effort. I don't think the problem, the solution, is in the courts. I don't, I'm a lawyer, I'm doing the best I can because this is what my skills set is. Um, I see this as an opportunity to meet with other lawyers who might be leaders, natural leaders. I think we need natural leaders right now um, with good values, uh, family type of people that can set this country straight and wind back a little um, the destruction need, that's been done. And we need the public to stand behind these leaders. And, and the people that are got their best interest at heart, which is hard for some, a lot of people to know who's who because there's so many corrupt people. We need to get the media. We need to take back the media, number That's one. Exactly. I can't do anything. You take back the media. I can do a lot more for you as a lawyer. I'm good at winning cases. I'm good at arguing cases. Right. But until you get, I'm talking to you so people can listen to me. I, I'm unable to talk to the general public, which is right. why I'm being so adamant about being on shows. Um, people need to hear me. Right. Um, because if you edit me a certain way, or it's easy to manipulate. And that's right. one of the big problems. The media, it all starts and ends with the media. Yep, so thank absolutely. you for doing what you're doing, because it's you, not me, that's going to fix this. Like lawyers like me, we're treading water and we're trying to uh, gauge out leadership skills, I think, right now and see who knows what and who would be good at what. I see a lot of that going right now. Like who can, what can we fix? How can we fix this? Well, since I'm the king of media, <laughs> anytime you guys want to come on on any of our shows that are uh, informative shows or news shows or even this podcast, please um, don't hesitate to call us because we definitely want the public. I've made it very, very clear that I'm a conservative. I've made it very, very clear that I'm for American rights. I've made it very, very clear that I wasn't a supporter of anything that was uh, liberal uh, I don't even think liberal is even liberal anymore. I think it's now just kind of leftist. It's just went so far the other way. I Because I have friends that are liberal and they're even going, wait a minute, this is like crazy. I was liberal. I'm a lifelong liberal, actually. Until a few years ago, I was a lifelong liberal. I was right. a regular. I slowly pushed me aside. And then when I realized everything was a lie, it, I fell off. Yeah, I was born liberal. But I actually campaigned for both Obamas. I was, you know... I just got right. out of law school, Obama won. I can't campaign for him. 
you know, I'm not, I'm not a, a lifelong conservative at all. I don't even know if that, I didn't like talking politics. This is even, this is about truth. It's this is about truth. About truth. And yeah, love, I think, and, like, right and I, wrong. I mean, this is very fundamental. Absolutely. And I think that um, the whole, I think that's going to probably happen in the new world that we're creating now in this very timeline. And that is, there will be no more conservative and liberal. It'll just be truth and freedom and thought provoking uh, intelligence. And we're gonna all kind of see it the same way at this point, because we're kind of starting to realize that this whole thing, the system as we see it has been really set up for the majority of people to really just stay in um, a systematic matrix, if you will, where you're just kind of going along with the rules, but, and everybody was fine with it until we saw the, the demon behind the curtain. And that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing the demon behind the curtain and it's not yeah. pretty. That's what happened to us. We didn't see it changing until it affected us negatively. Yep. So we cannot fix this without changing the system because it can be done again. I yep. see a lot of the, a lot of the attorneys that I, um, we're all, I'm a writer as well. And a lot of us are writers as well. And we're trying to write things that someone reads in a hundred years from now to see, so they can see what happened because people don't know what is happening. It's going to be spun. So we're trying, another thing that lawyers are trying to do is document that we're in trouble. I don't know if you've read a lot of uh, uh, complaints and motions written by lawyers lately. Some beautiful writers are out there. This is political writing uh, to make a bigger issue. I say that right now. I don't think I'm going to win my cases. I've done, I'm done trying to win my cases. I'm trying to change attitudes trying to change rules, you're trying to, to bring this to light and hopefully someone will read it in a hundred years from now. And it's very sad when you're a lawyer and you know you're not helping your client. It's hard for me because my clients, I say, I'm probably not gonna save your job. You know, like this isn't, <laughs> you're right. gonna be fine. I said, okay, try to get another job. Like I, because usually a lawyer comes to me, I'm like, I'm gonna fight for you, we're gonna win. And we're not there right now. We're, we know we're gonna lose most of these cases. We're not trying right. to win, we're trying to make Be heard. Try to be heard. be heard, make change, make people see how bad this is, put pressure on private companies, um, get documented how, how far we've gone. Hopefully a sympathetic judge will eventually listen to like this needs to be documented. We're very, very far from how it should be. The system is not working how it's established. And a new I, set of rules have supplanted. And I think that that what you just said is is what I want people to take away from this. And that is the as you guys do what you guys do you're probably going to lose a lot of it but the point is to hear the information research these cases read the minutes yes. get into involved right. so that you know that the power lies within you guys that are watching this podcast that are watching this show that if you take this information and then do something about it just decide okay I'm going to make a difference. Now imagine if four, five, six, eight, ten million 10 million people get it and make a difference. That's what's going to change this. That's what's going to change the world. You're That's right. What's we're going not going to fix this in the courtroom. We're not saving. We're not going to fix it. We're trying to bring new ideas up. We're trying to document what's going on. And we're trying to put pressure on people to change because we can't fix this because the system is broken. Please, yes, it's not about a win or a loss. And that's why as attorneys, it's hard for me to talk because right. people want to talk to me about cases. I don't want to talk about cases. Right. This is a movement. This is not a case anymore. This is a right. movement. The system's broken. I'm a pawn in a broken system. Right. I'm broken. 
my role is probably like I, I think a lot of us uh, got out of the legal matrix when we realized what we were doing. If we did the legal right thing, it's 100% different than the moral right thing. And I come across that day to day. So I'm going up against every time I enter court, the law is not in my favor right now. This is not, the courts have found that these mandates are okay. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm simplifying yeah. it. Yeah. But if, if, if someone had to give a high level, if the world ended today and they told me to give a high level review of what's going on, I'm like, yeah, we're losing in court. I don't yeah. know how else to tell you this. Like, right. we have small wins and small losses. But in the end, it's been found, the consensus is that the government can force, the government won't protect you when the, a company forces you to insert something within your veins. I mean, that's really fundamentally what happened here. Yeah. There's no protections against this. They can right. do, the courts are saying it's okay right now. And we're trying to again, or we're retrofitting, we're like, okay, the court says it's okay to do that. Let's prove to them we're not. So I, I winding back around to what you said, yes, people need to, this is a, a movement, a personal movement. This is a spiritual battle. I really want to tell that to your listeners. This is a spiritual yes. battle. Yes. This is about good and evil. Yes. You, you need to stand up for what's good. That's um, a small cog, cog on a big wheel. I'm just trying to do what's right. And I think everyone has that in the power. I am so blessed that I got have this legal degree that I can help on a bigger scale, but I'm just a person just like you. I feel as much as an advocate when I walk into an airport without a mask on than when I walk in a courtroom. I think it's equally important. I uh, I don't know if you want to hear a little what just happened to me. I'm actually going to write an open letter about this. So you're going to be the first person I tell about. I've been volunteering at a library. I moved to a small town and I've been volunteering at the library. It's not doing well financially. So I decided to start volunteering there and they found me trustworthy. So they gave me the keys. So I run the library Friday and Saturday. Um, it was failing. Uh, it has bad management and I've uh, made this library. I, I started a story hour. People are coming into the library. Everything's wonderful. I'm working for free. I get up every Saturday morning and do this. I, I, they elected me the board of directors. Last week, I decided to take a stand and not wear a mask. And I was escorted out of the library uh, and they took away my key. Uh, I'm still upset about this. And this, uh, <laughs> I walked out on the way out. I said to them, I'm going to miss my little girls because this, this little girl that makes me cards every week that I'm not there. Like these little girls are attached to me. I read them stories every Saturday. And I was escorted out and stripped of a library key. And I, that night I came home and talked to my friends. I'm like, this is what, but this is what advocacy is. I walked out of something I loved for something I believe. Cause I'm so sad that I can't, I'm supposed to actually work there Friday and Saturday. So in an hour I'd be showing up and opening the library. My first Friday, I'm not going to. It's been a big part of my life. I love reading, I love libraries, I love the community. And I, I, I that's me in a court isn't as valuable as me as a person. You're doing mm. the right thing. Five people watched me walk out. Nobody stepped up for me. I know at least three of them believed in me. I was escorted out of a library. Like, uh, <laughs> like I didn't know what to say. I'm like, I can't believe I'm being escorted, stripped of keys, but nobody spoke out for me. And, it was and this is a, and people, I want you to hear something. This is happening in a small town. So if this is happening in a small town, I mean, the big cities are doomed. It's over. So I mean, this is happening at a small town, a library. Nine hundred people in this town. town. I don't have postal delivery. It's so small. I don't have postal delivery. I have to go to the post office. It's so small. And one person, just one person, on the board of directors decided that my 
red lips was a fat or offensive and nobody else stood up for me. And I decided that I wasn't going to back down. I calmly left. And I, the last words out of my mouth were, I'm going to miss my little girls. Like, I can't believe this is happening. So, I mean, I believe that acts of courage is what are going to change yeah. that. And that, what I did there, I feel like meant more than anything I've ever done in a courtroom. Because that's, that's where it's done. That's where it's at. And same with, as I said, I know I've been, everybody I talk to gets bored of me about because I have been banned from Delta, but I've been flying around the country pretty much without a mask for a year and a half now. People don't really? bother you. It's a little bit aggravating. Granted, I I don't I look I don't think people want to attack a woman <laughs> a woman in an airport, but nobody bothers me. Some people walk up to me and say snide things. TSA is like, hey, you have to wear a mask. I'm like, cool, and I keep walking. You know, I don't get mean or argumentative, but I walk around without a mask on everywhere I go. And nobody bothers me. And I'm like, why isn't everyone doing this? People are like, yes, the way you look, people don't want to approach you because you look, you know, I'm sure people that might not want to confront a, a, a woman as much as they might, you know, a man or whatever. It might be just the way I look, but, but I'm telling people that you can get away with being without a mask a lot more than you can. Keep it in your pocket. And if you feel like your comfort level has been reached, put it back on, but you'd be surprised. Everybody I've given this advice to, has been like, oh my God, it was in my pocket the whole time. I never put it on. Right. How did it's you, hard. It's scary. How uh, are you able to do it on a plane though? Okay. That's... So when I get on a plane, I usually put it on my chin. I eat gummy bears during takeoff. And then once gotcha. they warm me, once I take off. Gotcha. Gotcha. But then I take it off. When I'm walking around the airport, I need to keep it's on my purse somewhere. I'm not going to put this damn mask on. Nobody bothers me. I don't yeah. understand why people are just abiding by these rules. You don't have to. It's very uncomfortable. I remember I did it the first time I went mask free was about a year ago, and I was terrified. People were staring. I was the only one. But it's a camaraderie too, because I ran into a family, a mother and father, and two kids without a mask on. It was only us five in in, um, in O'Hare Airport, Chicago O'Hare, one of the biggest airports in the world. And I was it. I'm walking around like smiling at people and I'm like, why aren't more people just, <laughs> you know, right. take it right. off. You're fine. Nobody's right. going to, I'm not in jail and I'm willing to go to jail. I, I've said that before. Um, TSA said, you have to put on a mask. And I said, I'm not going to. And they said, it's a federal regulation. I said, I'm willing to be arrested. And they looked at me and I looked at them and then I walked away and nobody followed me. So, wow. Yeah, wow. it's easier than you think. Nobody knows what to do. That's what I always say. I said, I'm willing to be arrested. I understand it's illegal. I'm a lawyer. I know what the law is. Um, so I think people, approach might be everything. I am calm in my non-compliance. I encourage people to be calm in their non-compliance, but don't comply. As much as you can, don't comply. Every because, time you walk out of the house and put a mask on, it makes a point to someone. I don't know about your state. I'm in Illinois right now. And Pritzker, I'm in the middle of nowhere, but Pritzker, Governor Pritzker messed up our whole state. He's horrible. Um, and we, we still have indoor mask requirements. Oh, like, wow. I didn't know that. Wow. That's why I got kicked out of the library. Yeah, we're still, yeah. I'm like, just, we'll just take it off and see what happens. Try it. So, I mean, I think that there's a lot of courage in little acts like that. And if one person sees you without a mask on, they might take off theirs and they might take off theirs. And then we can have some power here because the power is in the people, not in the courts, not in the government. It's us. We're stronger than them. There's more of us than them. So basically, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's go, Brandon. Brand. Let's do that. So I want to thank you. 
for doing the podcast and I can't wait for you to come back when you have more intel and more information to share with the public. And uh, thank you for doing the podcast.